This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, covering much of central Illinois and also some of northern, northern Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. We have a special guest with us from Birthright that is going to be talking with us, and I'll introduce her in just a minute. Remember that we're brought to you by you, and we depend on you for donations. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can go to our website, catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. It'll tell you there how to make a donation. But even more important, maybe, is the fact that it will give you a lot of information about us, and you'll learn a little bit more. And also, if you would like to call us, you can call us at 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. Remember, this is October, and it's uh, Pro-Life Month, and we also, it's uh, the month of the Rosary. So a lot of those things are going on. And that coincides, of course, with our guest, and our guest is Kathy Janke. And she is going to talk to us about the birthright organization that's here in Bloomington Normal and how they help women with pregnancy. And Kathy has been with the birthright organization for over 30 years, and she knows a lot about it and uh, has some very interesting things to tell. So I'm going to let Kathy tell us a little bit about herself and about how she got into the birthright organization. And she's going to tell us also what exactly birthright is and what it does, what its objectives are, and how it operates. So I'll turn it over to you, Kathy. Thank you. Well, let's see, it was 1990. I was living in St. Charles, Missouri. I was a young mother of a four-year-old and lucky enough to be able to stay at home to raise her. Uh, but I was definitely feeling called to do more. Um, I started discerning and uh, praying and uh, was waiting for a sign. And um, I noticed in my church bulletin a request for volunteers for birthright. And I knew that I was pro-life um, uh, maybe not as pro-life as I am today, but I was certainly personally pro-life. Well, let me interrupt here just a minute, uh, if I can. When you say you weren't quite as pro, pro-life as you are today, what uh, you know was the difference between maybe, if you want to talk about this, of course, uh, between your attitude then and then your attitude as you grew along with birthright? Well, at that point, in 1990, I was just 30 years old. And um, a little more liberal than I am today. I just really wasn't educated enough. I had uh, not sought to educate myself. Um, I just knew that I could not have an abortion. And um, with some help from the women at Birthright who trained me, um, I came around to be 100% pro-life. So in other words, um, you know, I believed that abortion was... Um, wrong, even in cases of rape and incest. Um, so with a little bit of education with the facts, it, it doesn't 
take too long to come around <laughs> to being 100% pro-life. Exactly. Do you think uh, that there are still a lot of people today on both sides of the fence that aren't really aware of, you know, all of the things that you know from working with Birthright and seeing things, you know, up close? And- Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I would love to see people get educated to learn the facts. Um, for example, the um, number of women who become pregnant after a rape is, is so small. Um, I, I, I want to say it's uh, 1% or less of women who are raped become pregnant. And um, it, it's just such a, a negative solution to a, a terribly negative situation, obviously, for a woman who's been raped. And um, so uh, I was trained by wonderful women back in St. Charles, Missouri, and um, ended up uh, being um, uh, someone who answered the phone and um, encouraged women to come to us for a pregnancy test if they suspected they were pregnant, or maybe they already knew they were pregnant and they were considering abortion. And so it was my job to encourage them to come in and talk to us before they went to an abortion clinic. And I imagine you see so many people who, you know, for various reasons, it could be that they were raped and they need help, not just with the fact that they're pregnant, but with the trauma of what they've experienced. They need somebody to talk to. And sometimes that's pretty hard to do, you know, if you're talking to, say, just uh, the law or uh, people who are too close to the situation to be able to handle it without a lot of uh, emotion. I suppose that's one of the services that you can provide is let these people just have someone they can talk to. All birthright volunteers are trained in the um, social services in the area in which they live. Um, So, for example, in Bloomington, when our um, prospective volunteers uh, agree to uh, talk to women who are considering abortion, um, or even if they're not, you know, they might have other needs, financial needs. We um, ask them to go to um, PATH for a seminar um, that takes about four hours, uh, whereby our prospective volunteers learn about all the resources that McLean County has to offer. You know, um, for example, services for victims of rape, like stepping stones at the YWCA. So, the only way you can help somebody is if you're familiar with the places that can help them with specific needs, things that we can't necessarily help them with. We have to be able to refer them to those places that are specialized. So you get quite a bit of training in, along those lines and people that come there. Absolutely. So, so All our volunteers are very familiar with community resources. So yeah. Uh, we'll get back to the clients, but uh, can other people come to birthright that, uh, you know, maybe they're involved in a situation where somebody is pregnant and isn't in birthright, but people could come there and find out what a lot of these services and so forth are from you? 
even if they were not pregnant themselves? Is there? Well, uh, so what we do is on the first Saturday morning of every month, we distribute baby clothes, diapers, wipes, things like that to people with children. So the people who are coming aren't necessarily pregnant. Um, they're, they're needing those material goods. And so um, we're distributing those things. And uh, during the week when we have regular office hours, we're seeing women who are pregnant or who think they might be pregnant. So it's the first Saturday morning of every month when we're actually helping women who aren't necessarily pregnant because the community is so good about donating baby clothes and diapers and maternity clothes and and all those things. And so even though the organization isn't required to give out those things, there are birthright centers that don't distribute those things. We are fortunate to receive them on a regular basis. So those things are handed out uh, for two hours the first Saturday morning of every month. Okay, let's uh, back up a little bit. I know I've got us, got us going down a couple of other lines here. We were talking earlier a little bit about what exactly is birthright and how does it operate. Would you want to talk on that just a little bit? Sure. We're a pregnancy resource center. So the people we call clients, and, um, and, and that's a term that um, – is usually used uh, in in professional arenas, and uh, we are not professionals. We're all volunteers, but I'm just going to use that word because it's it's the only word I can think of right now. Um, but sure, people the, who use your services, that, right? And that's a client, right? Right. Uh, they are pregnant, so we believe that it's the right of every pregnant woman to give birth, and the right of every baby to be born. That is our mission. Those are the women we're helping. Um, if we're helping women who aren't pregnant, it's because we're fortunate enough to receive those material things that I mentioned. But our, 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 our aim is to uh, help women who are pregnant, um, especially those who are in an unplanned pregnancy, and especially those who are considering abortion. And uh, who are the, the clients themselves? What kind of a background do most of – is it varied or do they come from uh, a, a particular kind of background generally? Uh, what are their age range and that kind of thing? Can you tell us? I would say the majority of the women who come to us are single, um, but all different backgrounds, everything from students. Um, you know, we've had – high school students, um, uh, college students, and, and, and then women uh, as old as, you know, 40-something who don't expect to get <laughs> pregnant at that age. And um, I would say that the majority, though, are, are single. We, we do serve married women, but, um, you know, married women generally have more support. It's the single women who don't necessarily have as much support as they deserve when they're pregnant. Okay, and what's the particular reasons do you, that they come to you? Is it because they're simply confused or lost or don't know exactly what to do or how to, uh, are, you know, uh, they don't have the resources or what? what okay. What's the, 
So um, they, they might be coming for the pregnancy test. Although I would say in this day and age with home pregnancy tests, uh, the vast majority have already done a home pregnancy test. Um, but our tests, our services are free. And so there are women who can't even afford to buy a home pregnancy test. So they might be coming to us to be tested for the very first time. They may have done a home test and then they come to us to have it verified because they know that our tests are better than home pregnancy tests because we purchase tests that are the same kinds of tests that doctors use in their offices. So they're, they're very accurate. We can generally uh, detect a pregnancy um, after a woman has uh, conceived maybe a, a, about a week out is when a pregnancy can be detected if there's enough of the pregnancy hormone in the urine because it is a urine test that we run. And so uh, then there's women who might be farther along in their pregnancy and they might have no intention of aborting but they've got some serious financial problems and they're not sure how they're going to pay their bills, how they're going to stay in their apartment. Um, so there's, there's a variety of reasons. And, and how are you able to help them along those lines if they're, you know, like uh, they're worried about uh, going to a hospital or not being able to pay the bills or without insurance or without uh, the money needed to give birth and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, are you able to help them yourselves or do you refer them to services that can help them? Most women uh, that we see are eligible for the medical card. So we're referring them to the public health department where they can obtain a medical card, uh, which will act as their insurance throughout the course of their pregnancy. And so... Um, Unfortunately, now the medical card also pays for abortion. So if a woman's considering abortion, um, the last thing we want to do is refer her to the health department for a medical card that's going to pay for her abortion. So we have to be very sure that a woman intends to carry her baby uh, before referring her to the health department for that medical card. So um, now if she has insurance, then um, obviously that's not an issue. Um, uh, there's the women who fall through the cracks, the women who, uh, don't have insurance. They're working, but they are, they don't have company insurance and they make too much money to be eligible for the medical card. Um, so of course, uh, we're able to help them, uh, perhaps pay a rent bill, um, an electric bill, um, whatever it is that's causing them panic <laughs> because we are raising um, the funds to be able to do that with the baby bottles that we distribute throughout the churches in the community. And um, with that annual fundraiser, um, we have the budget to help women with their financial issues. If uh, women, I mean, are, I, I know your organization is non-political. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? I mean, is it like neutral if a woman wants to have an abortion? I mean, what, what is your attitude then or what do you do in those kind of cases? Okay. Well, um, yes, we, we are not political. And, and the term pro-life is a political term, so we don't 
use that term in talking about birthright. Now, we are all pro-life people. We All volunteers at Birthright have to be 100% pro-life. And we are encouraging women to carry their babies. And so um, in doing so, we will definitely bring up the subject of adoption. And uh, if, if they don't want to consider that particular option, then of course we have to talk about uh, making it um, easier for them to parent. And so um, we're very interested in their situation and, and becoming a friend and, and finding out what the needs are in order for us to help them. We have to know their needs. And so whether it's financial or, you know, maybe they're living here without family. And, you know, every pregnant woman needs support from family and friends. And, um, you know, a woman might come to us, she's new to town, and she doesn't have the family or the friends. Um, She's not going to have a baby shower like most women. And um, so we also can provide women with layettes. So we have a wonderful volunteer who fills laundry baskets with baby clothes and diapers and wipes and all kinds of things. It's not everything that a woman needs, but um, it's a nice little um, beginning Okay, we're going to have to take a break here, and it's been really interesting up to this point, and I'm sure everybody wants to hear more. So uh, stay with us. We're going to come back. And when we come back, Kathy, I'd like to talk a little bit about the idea of adoption. Uh, I know it's uh, there are so many people that want to adopt, and that is an option, and yet from what I hear, a lot of people, a lot of women resist this. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but let's talk about that a little bit when we come back. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Did you know the Catholic Spirit Radio can help you with estate planning and end-of-life decisions? We can provide guidance in setting up wills and trust, making IRA distributions, naming insurance beneficiaries, and donating assets. We also can assist you with health care directives and financial power of attorney. If you want to build a legacy through Catholic Spirit Radio, download our major and planned gift guide on Catholic Spirit Radio. Radio.com under the Donate tab or call 309-807-2427. I was debating an atheist online who said, Chris, you believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree, and saying, oh look, presents, there must be a Santa. I replied, really? Because you not believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree, and saying, oh look, presents, they must have exploded themselves here. <laughs> No child has ever been that crazy. Now, a kid might get the identity of the gift giver wrong, but when he sees presents under the tree, he knows they didn't put themselves there. Likewise, everything made of matter has a source or an origin outside of itself, from your chair to your morning coffee to you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the universe is something made of matter? It had to come from something outside of itself that had the power to create a universe. The Big Bang did not Big Bang itself. There is a God. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com.
Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic. We're back from our break. I'm here with uh, Kathy Janke, and we're talking about birthright and the services that the people there provide for pregnant uh, women. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about the choice of uh, adoption. And I'd like to follow up on that with you, Kathy, and find out why people do or don't adopt. And it seems to me that there are so many people in this country that want to adopt children. Uh, My wife and I have some friends that actually had to go to Russia to adopt children. And it just seems strange to me with uh, so many abortions in our country why is it that uh, more people don't uh, choose adoption or, or maybe a lot of people do and I don't really realize that? Can you talk a little bit about that uh, issue? Well, now the stigma um, is, is mostly gone. You know, many years ago, many, many years ago, there was more of a stigma when a woman became pregnant outside of marriage. And that stigma is mostly gone. So the majority of women do parent. Um, very few relinquish because that's such a big decision. It's such a difficult decision. And when we bring up the subject of adoption, um, a common response is, I could never give my baby away. And um, so, you know, on occasion, you're talking to someone who's abortion-minded, and it is ironic, you know, that um, she finds it impossible to consider giving her baby to loving parents and finds it easier to have the abortion. Do they ever give you reasons why this is so? I mean, I, you know, it's, it, it is sort of ironic, and it's a little bit difficult to understand. I was just wondering if uh, they they tell you why they would prefer to abort rather than to put their baby up for adoption. Do you ever, do you ever find that out? Sure. Sure. We pursue it. Um, you know, not too much. We don't pressure any of the women who come to us about any option. And, um, but you know, of course it begs the question when you bring up the subject of adoption and, and someone, um, immediately says, I could never do that. And the next question is, can you, can you give me a reason why you don't want to consider that option? And, um, you know, the most common response is, I could never give my baby to someone else. I, I just couldn't do that. Okay, it does, it does seem strange, but I guess it's just, uh, the, uh, I don't know, maybe it's uh, our society's attitude that Somehow or another, an abortion is taking place before there's a real person there. Could that be it? And uh, waiting until birth would mean that there actually is a real person. Maybe, uh, maybe our society has educated people along that line for so long with the Roe versus Wade decision that uh, abortion is just uh, actually removing, you know, something that is not really human yet or not really a baby. There are probably some people who um, would not acknowledge the humanity, but now with with the uh, photographs and the ultrasounds, it's pretty hard to deny the humanity of a preborn child. Um, we 
certainly make sure that a woman understands that there are more open adoptions now than closed adoptions. Um, so closed adoptions, of course, were very difficult to relinquish your baby, never to know, you know, where they are. Um, I, I can't even imagine making a decision like that. But nowadays, the majority of adoptions are open. And so a woman can choose her parents. Um, we refer women to registered um, licensed adoption agencies. So we don't get involved in private adoptions. We refer them to the licensed agencies that will provide counseling for the woman, um, do background checks on all the couples that you know are, are uh, looking to adopt. And um, she can go through numerous profiles of couples. And once she chooses a couple, um, she can meet with them as much as she likes. She can then um, talk to them about uh, being able to have contact with her child. So as long as a couple and the birth mom agree about that, um, she might be in a relationship with her child for the rest of the child's life. I think that's so important for people to know and understand is that they can go to an organization like yours and safely talk about all these various options without a lot of pressure on them one way or another and that you're there to be their friend and that they can, you know, inquire about these things and they don't have to feel as if somehow or another they're putting themselves into the hands of people that are going to be pushing them along a certain line or not. We make no judgments. And so when talking to prospective volunteers, um, I have to be sure that I'm talking to someone who can remain non-judgmental and not pressure a woman uh, in, in any direction to just offer birthrights help. And um, with that help, of course, a lot of women have changed their minds. Um, and, and so that's our hope. So uh, someone who's talking to uh, an abortion-minded woman uh, wants to make sure she understands what's happening inside of her. Um, so that's when the volunteer will ask her if she knows anything about fetal development. And, you know, most women do. You know, they're, they're learning about fetal development as early as high school, maybe even earlier than that. Um, but we do have uh, fetal models uh, in, in the event that she, she doesn't necessarily know uh, how uh, formed a, a baby is at eight weeks, for example, when, when uh, most women who are pregnant um, uh, and considering abortion are probably uh, maybe six to ten weeks along in their pregnancy. Um, and then um, after talking a little bit about fetal development, um, we want to make sure she understands the risks of having an abortion. And that sort of brings us back actually to, you know, how birthright got started. I mean, all of these uh, 
objectives and the methods and the uh, the way that you handle things uh, was that how birthright was from the very beginning? I mean, how how did it get started? Uh, was there someone who was uh, particularly, you know, started the organization, and was that their objective uh, to provide uh, the idea that women have a right to birth, but at the same time had these goals of not, you know, being political, not being pressured, and that kind of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about the beginning of birthright and how all these these, uh, uh, objectives came about? The founder of birthright uh, was a woman, uh, Louise Summerhill, who is now deceased. And back in, she lived in Canada. She had seven children. And abortion had become legal in Canada in 1968. And so she saw all this help for women who wanted to have an abortion. She wasn't seeing help, enough help, for women who didn't want to have an abortion. And she started Birthright. And um, she came up with this beautiful charter that we make sure every prospective volunteer understands and will agree to abide by. And um, uh, then it came to uh, the United States the following year, in 1969. And so we have a national office out in uh, South Dakota. For years, it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Now it's in um, uh, South Dakota. And there are hundreds of birthright centers throughout Canada and the United States. Well, that seems to me that it was a very, very, you know, perceptive uh, uh, lady that did this. And it is so true that it seemed like every all the emphasis was on Planned Parenthood and uh, the emphasis on being able to get an abortion. And it was sort of a neglected, the idea that there may be a lot of women who want services that uh, provide an alternative to that. And uh, without something like birthright, they might be almost steered or not having any other place to turn would turn to Planned Parenthood thinking that maybe they were going to get advice along the lines of what you are, you know, uh, doing. And then in Planned Parenthood, I mean, you probably know a lot about, about more about them than I do. Uh, is there more of a direction to have an abortion rather than to, is Planned Parenthood as neutral as you are? I've talked to a lot of women who have had abortions and tell me that they did not have the risks of having an abortion explained to them at the abortion clinics. So that's why we make sure they know something about the risks. Not that we're trying to scare them out of having an abortion, but um, this is this is a serious decision. And, and you know, a lot of abortions are surgical. And um, anyone who's going to have surgery wants to know the risks. So there are some serious physical risks. You know, a, a uterus can be perforated. You can develop an infection. It can leave you sterile. It can increase the risk of miscarrying future babies or having premature babies in the future. And then there's the emotional and mental risks, the depression uh, that can follow. Um, women who have aborted are more likely to um, become dependent on substances, 
you know, drugs and alcohol. Um, uh, they're more likely to cut. Um, um, so we just, um, I usually ask a woman who's abortion-minded if she knows somebody. Uh, first, I might say, have you ever had an abortion? And uh, some have. Um, and then I might ask her if she knows somebody. And, and how did that friend or that relative uh, fare after the abortion? And um, most women don't fare well. At least that's the experience that I have in talking to many women who have had abortions. When you don't, when you say don't fare well, is that because of uh, physical uh, problems, or is it mostly because of mental problems? Either, uh, either, okay. either. Uh, I've heard that uh, a lot of times uh, things that go wrong in an abortion or or actually physical damage that occurs, uh, just you know from the abortion itself can show up later, years later sometimes, maybe four or five years or even longer than that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then it never gets recorded as being related to the abortion. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's designated as something else, maybe some kind of an infection or some kind of a problem with the body. And it's got a name, but it's not related back to the abortion. And so is that a problem, I mean, that people don't realize? I've read that uh, a lot of women, um, uh, you know, are really good at um, pushing down the negative feelings about uh, their abortions. And it can be 10 years before a woman might begin to acknowledge the effect the abortion has had on her. And and when you think about it, especially for a woman who's had an abortion as a teenager, you know, 10 years later, she might be getting married. She might be wanting to have a baby with her husband. And that can bring all those feelings to the surface. Yeah, that, that would be a problem in the future. If any of those uh, people come into you or maybe people that come to you know someone who has suffered along those lines, uh, are, do you give them advice on things like such as Rachel's Vineyard or anything along those lines? And sure. Maybe you want to explain what that is, Rachel's Vineyard? And, sure. You know. Project Rachel is an organization that helps post-abortive uh, women and um, and they also put on retreats known as Rachel's Vineyard. And those retreats are even open to men affected by abortion. And um, so because we're, we're not professionals, um, uh, we aren't going to try to counsel a post-abortive woman ourselves. We're going to refer her to Project Rachel and um, tell her about the Rachel's Vineyard uh, retreats. I was thinking along the uh, lines also of uh, not only the uh, Rachel Vineyard's retreats, but when you mention you know, men, yeah, that that is something also that uh, maybe needs to be discussed. Uh, there's a lot of instances where men are involved, of course, and sometimes they're pushing a woman to get an abortion. But there are other times that maybe you know the woman is going to have an abortion, and the man doesn't want that to happen. And uh, there are even situations that, in, in where the two could, could be married. 
and one person wants an abortion and the other person doesn't. And it seems as if the law nowadays is such that uh, all the weight is given to the woman and the man is sort of left out when he's opposed to abortion. And on the other hand, uh, maybe he's given extra power through places like Planned Parenthood when he's in favor of the abortion. Do you have anything to say? Well, let me tell you a story about that. Many years ago, actually about uh, 19 years ago to be exact, I got a call from the father of an unborn baby. He was a student at ISU, and his girlfriend wanted to abort the baby. Um, She was also a student at ISU, and she was on a track to getting her master's degree and uh, eventually her doctorate. So the pregnancy was unplanned, and... um, She had family encouraging her to abort. Uh, She was super, is a super intelligent woman and, um, you know, uh, just felt that the baby was going to ruin all her plans. He wanted me to reach out to her and we can't do it that way. We have to uh, help the women who come to us. So I told him that if he could uh, encourage her to contact me, that I could certainly talk to her, but that uh, I couldn't take her phone number from him and call her out of the blue. So he did just that. He begged her (laughs) to call me, and uh, she did. And we talked for a long time. Um, She was from another country, and uh, we ended up becoming fast friends. We're going to come back to that story, and I'm sure everyone wants to hear the outcome of it and what happened. But we're going to have to take a break here. So in order to hear what happened next, stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Did you know that Catholic Spirit Radio can help you with estate planning and end-of-life decisions? We can provide guidance in setting up wills and trust, making IRA distributions, naming insurance beneficiaries, and donating assets. We also can assist you with health care directives and financial power of attorney. If you want to build a legacy through Catholic Spirit Radio, download our major and planned gift guide on catholicspiritradio.com under the Donate tab or call 309-807-2427. Hi, this is Bob Johnston and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking with Kathy Jenke today and she is uh, with Birthright Organization and we have had a very wonderful conversation so far about birthright, what it does, and how it helps women, and all the various aspects of it, how it got started, and the founder of it, what its uh, operating rules and regulations are. And uh, Kathy was talking about an example here, a, a story about a, a lady who wanted an abortion and her husband didn't. And she has was explaining to us how she had to handle this and I'm sure everybody out there wants to hear the outcome of this story. So I'm going to turn it right back over to Kathy and let her finish the story about this particular situation. So this woman, woman was um, uh, very intent on having the abortion. And uh, first we talked on the phone at length. And 
she agreed to come to the office so we could sit down and talk in person. Again, we talked at length. And she did carry that baby. And that couple uh, decided to get married. He was going into the Air Force. And um, (laughs) I accompanied them to the uh, courthouse (laughs) and uh, was a witness to the marriage. um, uh, Because that way, of course, she and the baby would receive the benefits that um, that he had by being in the Air Force. And um, both of them uh, live out on the East Coast now. Um, that baby uh, just started college this past fall. Uh, going, he, He's uh, in the ROTC, so kind of following in the footsteps of Dad. And he's studying engineering. And um, he has a younger brother now, and we've kept in touch. And um, uh, on occasion, they're able to come to Chicago, where his father lives, uh, my friend's father, uh, that is. And when he visits his father, he lets me know because it's obviously an easy drive up to Chicago. And, um, you know, we've been friends now for. Uh, you know, let's see if uh, if he's eighteen, going on nineteen. So maybe it's close to twenty years now that we've been friends. It's well, a wonderful story, really. Yeah, it must give you a tremendous sense of satisfaction. Something like that happening. I'm One sure. of the greatest blessings right. in my life. Right. It probably makes up for a lot of uh, you know things maybe that happen on the other side that aren't so is <laughs> uh, turn out as well as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you hear from many people uh, that come back to you or to the organization and relate? Uh, you know, if they they were thinking about maybe having an abortion and then they don't uh, because of all the information that you give them, do they ever come back? And uh, do any of them ever come back? Maybe and even work in the organization or anything along those lines? Uh, I I can't think off the top of my head of a volunteer. Here, well, I take that back. Um, there, there have been a couple of people. They, it's just that they're not uh, volunteering currently. But yes, we have had uh, clients uh, deliver their babies and then offer to help us. Um, nobody currently, but um, we get all kinds of notes of thanks from. The women we've helped, um, they love to share the pictures of their babies. It's, oh, I bet. I was yeah. going to ask yeah. you if you have a gallery. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. I'll bet that you do. Do uh, any people who don't abort ever come back and, and, and I mean, do it, many people ever regret not having an abortion? Do you ever get anything like that along that line? I, I the, the women who do abort generally don't come back to us. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, now, if, if they if we have talked to someone whose mind is made up, and and we know that you know we can't force a woman woman not to have an abortion. She she has the legal right to do so. Of course, but we we ask her if um, she's okay with 
with our prayers for her. And, and I don't think I've ever had anybody say, you know, no, I don't want your prayers. Um, but we generally don't hear from those women again unless um, she finds herself pregnant again or, uh, you know, she thinks she might be pregnant. And um, on occasion, uh, we've had a woman come back even though she's had the abortion in the past, um, admitting that she regretted the abortion and is asking for help because she doesn't want to have another abortion. Okay, I can I can understand that, and that that's uh, that's a very wonderful you know accomplishment right there. The idea that uh, someone regrets it, and of course they can be forgiven for what they've done, because a lot of times it's done under pressure and under fear and other emotional you know situation but the the question i was asking i was just wondering if anyone ever came back to you who chose to have their child at like the story you just told us and then said that uh, they regretted it and wished that they did absolutely not that's, i've never that's, heard that that's, that's, that's <laughs> what i thought i'm sorry yeah i uh, have never that's heard I, anything like that how how do you regret your child. Exactly. And so I thought, you know, is it, that's something maybe, I don't know, you know, you have to be careful in how you console and handle people, but it would be something to tell someone, say, look, you know, we've had people in here who have come back and regretted uh, that they had an abortion, but we've never had anybody come back and say that they regretted having their, their baby. Never. So uh, that might be a pretty strong argument in favor of uh, giving some serious thought. Not only that, but I've seen the parents of young girls who encourage their daughters to abort, uh, who even disowned their daughters, turn out to be wonderful grandparents. I've seen that a few times. Do you get quite a bit of that, Kathy? I was going to get into that along that line. You know, where parents are so concerned, uh, especially nowadays, about maybe their daughter is going to be, you know, not be able to go to college or interrupt her college education or uh, have her career threatened or something like that. Uh, you know, that uh, do, do you ever get that situation where it's the parent that is pushing the, yes. the person into Yes, it? especially with a high school student. Um, on one occasion, I had a junior high student. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, and and with college students, of course. And, you know, what parents send their daughters off to college to get pregnant, <laughs> especially if they're paying for that education. So, of course, a parent is going to be angry. And so if I'm talking to a student who says, you know, my parents are going to kill me. You know, I, I there's no way I can have this baby. Um, you know, um, I remind them that their parents have every right to be angry. (laughs) And um, we always offer to sit down with parents who feel that way. So um, I think it's encouraging, too, that to kind of point out, I imagine, I imagine you've done this. Once that baby comes, there's a whole different attitude. As I said, yes, the the parents who... uh, encourage their daughter to abort sometimes turn out to be wonderful grandparents. 
Do the parents ever come in for counseling? I mean, yes. Uh, so I, I have sat down with parents before. And, um, you know, a, a, a girl who is pregnant should acknowledge <laughs> uh, that, you know, her parents have that right to be angry or disappointed. Um, Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're going to be upset. I mean, there is especially, like you say, if they're you know, either in college or whatever, or somebody as young as uh, junior high. Uh, but after time, you know, uh, parents might calm down and um, come around to uh, their daughter's decision to carry. And like I said, those parents usually turn out to be wonderful grandparents. And this is one of the things, you know, when abortion becomes not only legal, but there's so much uh, pressure by society itself that, you know, this is something that is a cure, you know, that uh, this is a solution and so forth. Whereas at one time when it was illegal, abortion illegal, there was a lot more probably impetus on the part of even people who were very, very upset to think that, well, they have no choice except to, you know, accept the birth of the baby. And so they prepare them, you know, quicker themselves for that. Mm-hmm. And with the possibility of abortion, of course, uh, they're only looking down one line. And if they don't get counseling from somebody like yourself or a birthright or, or somewhere, uh, probably it's pretty difficult. They probably give very little thought to the other side until it's too late. We try to get women to slow down down um, if they're abortion-minded because we don't want them to make that decision in panic mode. You know, most women considering abortion are only a few weeks along in their pregnancy, and so they do have time. Um, You can't even obtain an abortion before six weeks of pregnancy. So um, especially if they're not even that far along, they're, they're is usually some time, you know, maybe a few weeks um, for her to uh, get more information and to um, think more carefully about this life-changing decision. Right. Mm -hmm. And about how many babies are adopted? Do mothers give them up? It's a very small percentage. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, and it it seems strange, but I I guess it's just hard. The human psychology is not an easy thing to understand sometimes. But open adoptions have made the difference. There are more adoptions now in general, um, but as far as the women coming to birthright um, who are in an unplanned pregnancy, uh, we, we... we can't say it's it's many women who um, relinquish. It, it's most women end up parenting, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, very uh, few uh, decide to relinquish, but open adoptions uh, have made it uh, more prevalent than it was. And before we you know get to the end of the program, I want to make sure we have enough time here to. Um what can people do to help you out? I mean, how can they get in contact with you and uh, what kind of things can they do to help you out? I mean, what are some of the things that you need and, and uh, how, can, how can people get involved? Well, if they attend a church where there's a distribution of baby bottles for birthright, uh, currently Epiphany Catholic Church in Normal uh, is uh, holding the baby bottle fundraiser. Um, 
bottles are being returned um, for the rest of this month. We distributed the bottles the first weekend in October to kick off Respect Life Month. Um, the the other churches, and there's about a dozen of them, uh, give out the bottles Mother's Day weekend. And so I would encourage you to take home a bottle, fill it with your change or <laughs> your bills or a check, and return it to your church. Um, you can consider volunteering. Uh, you can call us at 829-5400. And uh, we're currently uh, training some volunteers, so now is actually a good time to uh, jump into training. Um, you can always uh, donate your gently used baby clothes, um, uh, new diapers and wipes, uh, and maternity clothes, uh, gently used, of course, or new. We love new. <laughs> we, we don't give women anything that... Uh, we wouldn't put on our own babies or our own daughters. <laughs> well, I can understand that. <laughs> right. And uh, take your handmade things like yes, blankets. Yes, blankets and- to top off the layettes that I talked about earlier. And uh, what was I going to say? I was thinking of something and it sort of slipped my mind. But uh, uh, what about the, the when people volunteer, what, kind of, what can they expect? I mean, how, how much training do they go through and how long does it take before they're able to volunteer? It's several hours of training. Um, So right now um, uh, we're training um, prospective volunteers with three separate trainings. Uh, They might last a couple hours each. Um, First we go through the charter. Um, We we can't have um, volunteers in the office if they aren't 100% on board with the charter. Um, Now, if someone's not interested in making that weekly commitment to work uh, a two-hour shift in the office, um, they might be more interested in that uh, distribution of baby clothes and diapers the first Saturday of every month. That's just a two-hour commitment. Um, No counseling involved there. (laughs) We're just handing out diapers, baby clothes, uh, wipes and things like that. And what are your hours? How 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 long do you man your phones or whatever if people need to get in contact with Birds Radio? We're open uh, Monday through Thursday, only a couple hours of the day. We'd love to have more hours. We're hoping with these prospective volunteers to extend the hours. Uh, so um, Monday through Thursday, we're open, I hope I get this right, from 10 till noon. And then on Thursday evenings, now with some additional volunteers, we're open from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And I would imagine, of course, you have a pretty good answering service, so if people call at odd hours, you can get back to them. The uh, uh, phone refers them to the 800 number, uh, which is a helpline that's answered 24-7. So in other words, the hours are given on the outgoing message, but if they need help right away, uh, they they get that 800 number, and those phones are manned 24-7 by volunteers, and um, then uh, they uh, help as much as they can by phone, obviously, and then um, after that conversation, we're alert, alerted. Um, if if a woman wants someone locally to call, then of course we're given that number by the helpline operator, and of course we're following up 
um, those calls. And Kathy, it's been a wonderful conversation here with you. And uh, I would advise people out there and urge people, if you have a problem along these lines, to con to slow down, to contact an organization like Birthright, go in and get some counseling. And for the listeners out there, if you are aware of situations that, like we've been talking about here, give that advice to parents or people that are involved to slow down, go and talk with people who are experienced in dealing with these kind of situations, listen to what they have to say. They want to do things uh, quietly and without pressure and be your friend. And uh, so be advised to give them a call. And uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and end our program. And we'll end uh, with our prayer. Uh, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust in hell Satan and all evil spirits who wanted to the world for the ruler's souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 